This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. To Acts chapter 26. And uh, if you know the book of Acts, or if you've got a Bible with you that you're opening or scrolling to, you'll see that we're not far from the end of the book of Acts now. Actually, if I just turned over my Bible's page, I find, ah, we've just got a couple of pages to go. And uh, did I hear an ah there? We're nearly at the conclusion of, uh, of the book of Acts. Now, Actually, some people would say, in many ways, we're still in the time of the book of Acts because these are the acts of those who are following Jesus. And, well, we're following Jesus now, aren't we? And you can continue to write the story. But in terms of the written account of the early church, the uh, early pioneers of the Christian faith, uh, the apostles, we're nearly at the conclusion of, of this account. And uh, it's been a great journey. Have you enjoyed the journey? Uh, through the book, and uh, we're aiming to conclude our time in Acts um, by the end of the year. A number of other things coming up uh, on Sundays uh, over the coming months as well. We're very much uh, looking forward to. Other people are speaking on some uh, different subjects as well. Uh, we've got some friends coming up from Horsham for uh, one Sunday in November, Andy and Hazel and uh, Joe and Paul are with us, which is going to be great. We're very much looking forward to that. Other people are speaking on some other subjects as well. Sarah's speaking, and uh, Paul and Nats are speaking, and Paul is next. Where are they? Well, you're next week, aren't you, as well? So some other things, some other subjects, but we're looking at concluding our time in the book of Acts by the end of the year as well. And so what we get to in chapter 26, just to give you some background, is Paul now is being held in Caesarea. He was put on trial before Felix, the governor of Judea. And then Felix was recalled to Rome somewhere around AD 59-60. And he was succeeded by Festus. And now as a favour to the Jews, Festus decided to leave Paul in prison. And that's what he did. And then sometime later, we find King Agrippa and Bernice arriving to pay a visit to this particular part of their dominion. And they find themselves discussing Paul's case. Probably he was quite a, a well-known prisoner by this point. And they find him discussing the case. And Agrippa asked to hear Paul for himself. He's like, well, I'd like to hear what he's got to say. Having heard about him, Having heard his story uh, from Festus, Agrippa wants to hear Paul for himself. And so that's really where we pick up the story. And uh, Paul is brought out uh, to address Festus and King, um, King Agrippa as well. And we pick up the story at the beginning of chapter 26 when Paul gets the opportunity to speak to the assembled 
people, including here King Agrippa and Bernice. So we're going to start reading at verse 1 of chapter 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They've known me for a long time and can testify, if they're willing, that I conform to the strict sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it's because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of those journeys, one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and then the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some Jews seize me in the temple courts and try to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses would have said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defence. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. 
I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replies. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. The king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice, and those sitting with them. After they left the room, they began saying to one another, This man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the journey we've been on, working our way through the book of Acts. And now as we consider this account of of Paul here before King Agrippa, we pray that you would speak to us from your word. God, just as you've spoken to us as we worshipped you, We pray now that you continue to speak, that your word would come alive to us and the Holy Spirit, you would apply it to our lives. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what we get here in this passage that we've read, what we get is really Paul's testimony, isn't it? It's really his story. What Paul says to King Agrippa is really a summary of what God has done in his life over these recent times. It's his story, and to be fair, it's a pretty good one, isn't it? It's his account of God breaking in on his life and what he has done as a result. And so I was reading it through and praying again this week, and um, I found it to include five things. A, B, C, D, and E. You're good. Stay with me. And uh, we're going to look at those, we're going to look at the five things together. And as we consider Paul's testimony, I want you to begin to think about your testimony, your story, your journey with the Lord. Now, for some of you here this morning, you might be right at the beginning of that journey. You might not be a Christian this morning. You might have come with a friend. You're thinking, I'd like to know what these these Christians are on about. I'm going to go to church and maybe ask some questions and find out. Listen, that's absolutely fine. I'm thrilled you're here. You are so welcome with us. Paul was like that at one point, right at the beginning of his journey. God broke in. We'll see that in a moment. You might be a little bit further on. Maybe you've been a Christian for a little while. I want you to think about this morning what your journey has been and what your story might be. So we're going to look at Paul's story, his testimony. We're also going to consider how that applies to ourselves as well. So A, to start with. A is for about. It's about their Christian life. Paul tells Agrippa what has happened to him. He tells him about 
what God has done. We'll see in a moment exactly what that consists of. But basically, as we've said, it's his story. It's his testimony, as we would call it. So your testimony is, is about you. It's about what God has done in your life. And your testimony is unique to you. It's different to every other person, living or dead, who has followed Jesus over time. Your testimony is different to every single other person. It's unique because God has made you to be unique. And your testimony is about what God has done in your life. In fact, just as everyone's fingerprint is unique, actually your story with God, your testimony is unique. Just as your DNA is particular and unique to you, so is your story with the Lord. So is your testimony. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't fall into the trap of comparing your story to someone else's. Have you ever done that? You've ever listened to somebody else talking about their story, their walk with God, and you start comparing your story to it. Listen, don't do that. You can think, oh, their story is so exciting. Mine isn't. Now listen, your story is unique. It's about, it's about what God has done in your life, what he has done for you. Never think that your story isn't as exciting as somebody else's. That is a lie. Your story is unique to you and an example of what God has done in your life and therefore can do in others. But it is unique to you, just as your fingerprint or DNA is. Think about it. The God of heaven and earth has met with you in a unique and particular way. That's quite special, isn't it? That is something to be excited about. It's something to want to tell others about. The fact that the God of heaven and earth who has made the very world we live in and inhabit, he's encountered you. He's come to you. He's revealed his love and his goodness to you. Amen, indeed. That is what your story, your testimony is about. That is our A for about. B is for before. And this is where Paul starts telling his testimony, telling his story. He talks about what life was like before. Before God met him, before he became a Christian, before he followed Jesus. B is for before. It's where Paul starts, and if you're telling your story, I'll suggest it's where you need to start as well. Paul describes how he persecuted the church. We've read about it, haven't we, in these verses that we looked at. He says in verse uh, 9 here, he says, I too was convinced I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what I did. And he talks about how he searched out those who were following Jesus, seeking to persecute them, agreeing to their death, in some cases as well. He went from one synagogue to another seeking to have these followers of Jesus punished. That's what his light was before 
he met Christ. Actually, a better way to describe it was it was his life before Christ met him. Because to be fair, Paul wasn't really on a journey looking for Jesus, was he? Paul was on a journey towards Damascus to search out Christians and to persecute them. Now, he hadn't signed up to a alpha course or something similar to find out about the Christian faith, what it was all about. He wasn't asking those sort of questions. He was just out to find the Christians and persecute them. He wasn't looking to meet with Jesus, but Jesus was looking to meet with him. We can often talk about, can't we, when I responded to Christ, when I became a Christian, when I did an Alpha course, when I went forward at a meeting. It's something we did, and yes, there's a part that we have to play, but listen, it's only in response to what God has done to start with. Who takes the initiative? He does. So Paul talks about what life was like before Christ met him. And generally speaking, I've observed that people make, can, can make one of two mistakes when talking about life before. Either they go into too much detail or, or not enough. You know, if you became a Christian at a young age, maybe you didn't have a long before period. That's okay. You don't have to make it up. Just be honest about it. That would be my experience. That's the experience of many of you, I know. You became a Christian at a young age, so your before may not be very long, but that's okay. Be honest about what your story was. Maybe you came to Christ at university. Maybe you lived a little bit more. Maybe you've got a bit of a longer before story. Maybe you were brought up as a Christian and then rebelled against that and had some time away from the Lord. And God broke in. There was life before. You need to say what it was. But don't fall into the trap of talking so much about your before story that you don't leave any time to talk about what God has done now. <laughs> Often I've heard people talk about their story, their testimony, as we call it, and they spend so long talking about a life before, they make it sound quite exciting sometimes. They're like, oh yeah, and then I became a Christian. No, 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 no. Let's get it the right way around. Yes, there's before, but actually people want to hear what life is like now. And again, we need to be honest about it. People are looking for honest and authentic stories. Let's not try and make it up, but let's be real with people. So this story, this testimony is about your Christian life. A is for about, B is for before, C is for, what do you think, Joe? Conversion, well done. C is for conversion. Paul tells Agrippa what happened, didn't he? He describes how he was on the road to Damascus, going about his business of persecuting these Christians, going from one synagogue to another. And he describes about, about noon, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven. 
We all fell to the ground. This voice spoke to me. There was a moment of conversion for Paul. And he describes it to his audience here. He describes what he was doing. He talks about God, how God arrested him and totally changed his heart and his direction. His whole life was turned around, wasn't it? Completely and utterly. C is for conversion, that moment of decision when in your heart you decide to respond to God's invitation to follow him, to receive his grace. That moment of conversion when you confess your sins to the Lord and ask him to forgive you. That moment where you give him your heart, say, Lord, now you are God. You're in charge of my life. You're the Lord. I'm not in charge anymore. You are. It's that moment of decision, moment of conversion, moment, if you like, of encounter. But again, your story might be different to Paul's. I, I, I know many of you here this morning, I don't know any of you that were on a road to Damascus or Doncaster or anywhere else and when suddenly there was a light from heaven that arrested you so much you fell down as did those who were with you and you heard an audible voice from heaven. I know some of your stories, I haven't heard that one. Maybe that was you. Maybe you haven't told me yet. But each of our stories are different. That was Paul's story. It's what God did to him. It's how God broke into his life. Your moment of conversion was different. Maybe for you there was a moment. Maybe you was in a meeting. You heard the gospel preached. And you knew in your heart that you needed to respond. And you, that was the moment of decision for you. That was the moment of conversion when God did something. And you think, yeah, I know what it was. Maybe you can even remember the date. Maybe where you were. Perhaps who you were with. Maybe who was speaking. You think, yeah, I know when it was. Maybe for some of you that happened over a period of time. And particularly if you grew up in a Christian family, maybe there wasn't a particular moment that you could identify and say, well, that's the moment of conversion. But you know, over a period of time, God worked in your heart and drew you to him. So that moment of conversion may have been over weeks or months or perhaps even years. But you know that at the end of that, there was a time where you ah, oh, now my heart has been changed. Now I'm a follower of Jesus. I wasn't way back then, but at some point over these recent months, things have changed. My thinking is realigned. I've decided to follow Jesus, and now I'm, I, I know I'm a disciple of his. If you can describe a particular moment of encounter, that's great. You can do that. But if you can't, again, don't make it up. Be honest. Be real about how it was for you. Paul tells Agrippa what had happened, how his conversion happened. So how did it happen for you? Was it a moment thing or was it over a period of time? What was the process for you? C is for conversion. D then is for Doncaster. It could be. Any other, any other, any other grabs for D? Sorry? 
discipleship. Discipleship would be a good one. And discipleship comes into this. But my D is for direction. Not one direction. A new direction. And discipleship very much is part of that. But what you find is our D here is for direction. A new direction. So for Paul, what happens? Well, Paul went from persecuting the church, looking to seek out Christians and persecute them. His new direction was then preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Being such a radical follower of Jesus that he was preaching the gospel and indeed leading those that he had at one stage sought to persecute. This is a totally new direction for him. So whether your conversion, if you remember our C, whether your conversion happened in a moment or over a period of time, you'll know that you are now going in a new direction because you're following Jesus. Paul describes it in verse 19. If you've got your Bible open there, have a look. He says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. His life had so changed. It was so going in a different direction. And he said, I wasn't disobedient to that. Because Jesus had led him in a new way. Things had totally changed for him. Things were totally different. I wonder for you, how have things changed for you? How are things different now for you? Paul could say, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. And his life was proof of it, wasn't it? We've read through the book of Acts, and as we lay, as we go on and read through the New Testament, the letters that he writes, we can see that he wasn't disobedient to the call of God on his life. He was obedient to what Jesus called him to do. He was faithful to that new direction that God called him in. So I wonder, what about you? What's the direction that God is calling you in? And are you being obedient to that? A, B, C, D, and E. So our E this morning is for elephant. It's a good option. I, I don't see it in the text, not in my version, <laughs> but it's, I, I like it. <laughs> you won't get this. I don't think you'll get this. But I felt God speak to me really clearly about this this week. E is for expectation. And I think this is perhaps the most important thing that I'm going to say this morning. I really felt God arrest my heart on this this week. I think it's the most striking part of Paul's testimony. And it is the bit that we most often miss. E is for expectation. Do you notice what he said, uh, his interaction with King Agrippa in verse 28 and following? Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time 
You can persuade me to be a Christian. What would we have said then? What would your, what would your response would have been? Maybe not king, but I'm glad you're listening. I don't know, what would you say? Paul says this, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, apart from these chains. Paul expected his testimony to make a difference. He expected his story to do something in King Agrippa's life. He expected his witness to begin to change some hearts with the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've known about Paul's story for years. I remember Sunday school lessons about so high about Paul on the road to Damascus. You know, I probably did some rather hideous drawings. I'm no better drawing now than I was then. About, you know, this light coming from heaven and this voice and, and Paul, you know. I remember that from years ago. But what I don't think I've ever seen before was Paul's total conviction and belief that the telling of his story would effect change, would allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in the lives of those who are listening to him. It's not apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. It works in tandem with the work of the Holy Spirit. But Paul expected a response. He was totally convinced of it. He expected God to be at work. As he was doing his bit in telling his story, Paul expected God to do what only he can do and be at work in the lives and hearts of his listeners. He totally expected it. So, my question to us this morning, friends, to you and to me, is this. Do you expect God to be at work as you share your story? As you tell your story, your testimony of what the Lord has done for you, do you expect God to be at work, to do what only he can do, for you to partner with the work of the Holy Spirit? Because he's using you. He's using your story, your testimony to work in someone's life. Your testimony, your story with God includes the gospel. What does gospel mean? It means good news. It's good news. The gospel is God's good news. And it's the power of God. It's not just a few words. Not just a nice story. Not even a good story of a changed life. It's the power of God for salvation. Romans 1, verse 16, says this. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. Friends, that's powerful stuff, isn't it? 
really is. It's powerful stuff. So I want to ask you a question. If you're a Christian here this morning, when was the last time that you told your story? When was the last time that you were able to share your testimony with somebody? Might have been a long version. Might have just been a real, you know, two-minute summary, real quick. Either way, when was the last time you shared it? When was the last time I shared it? I wonder, have we perhaps forgotten how to do that and to do it well? Are we intentionally building friendships with those who are far from God and saying, Lord, is there a way that I can bless and encourage and maybe share the story of what you've done in my life with my new friends? Are we asking those sort of questions? Let's be clear. It's not that people become a project. It's that we're loving people and seeking to serve and bless and love. And part of that has to be sharing our story, saying what God has done in our life. I've been challenged recently that I think we've settled for not seeing much response to the gospel, perhaps not being as proactive in preaching it as we once were, not seeing so many people come to faith in Christ. I don't want that to be okay. Not for me, not for us. I want to see many people come into Christ, don't you? Isn't that in your heart that you would see many people respond to Jesus? You'd see many people coming to faith in him. We'd see many people searching and looking for answers and finding them in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Isn't that your heart? Isn't that our heart together? That You know, these empty seats are full of people coming to faith in Jesus. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that, what, isn't that why we're here? I think it is. And if we agree with that, then we need to partner with what the Lord wants to do. I guess it's having a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, who is it that you want me to speak to now, today, this week? Who is it that you're putting on my heart? What opportunities do you want me to be looking for? Who is it that you want to bless? Who is it that you want to reveal your love and your goodness to? You see, the reality is, he's at work, work all the time. And he's going ahead of us, preparing hearts. Our job is to listen to what he's doing and be obedient to him. The Holy Spirit is looking for somebody to partner with what he's doing already. So I wonder, does he find a willing partner in you and me? Anyone up for partnering with the Holy Spirit this week? Amen. So as we begin to, to wrap up, what's your story? Now, we all have one, don't we? We all have a story to tell. And they're all different. Just as we all have unique and different interests and passions, so we all have a different story, one that is unique to us. Maybe you had a radical conversion. Maybe you were far from God and God broke in in a powerful way. That's wonderful. It's your story. It's fantastic. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you came to faith at a young age and God stopped you going down various paths that would have derailed your life. And he was faithful to you. 
That's your story. That's wonderful. It's fantastic. It's just as powerful. Maybe God saved you from a sinful and damaging life. Maybe God saved you from getting into a sinful and damaging life. Either way, God saved. Either way, God worked. Either way, the gospel is good news. Amen? So whatever your story is powerful. Whatever your story is, is personal to you. It's your walk with God's. And you know what? It's exactly what people need to hear. Never write it off as not that interesting, as not as powerful or radical as someone else's. Your story is just what your friends need to hear because it's your story with the Lord. And it's powerful because it's an example of God at work. So I want to encourage us this morning. Let's learn to tell our story well. Practice telling it. Maybe in life groups this week, practice telling your story. Just there's two or three minutes. If somebody asks you, you know, oh, why are you a Christian? What's your story? They're not looking for a 40-minute answer. They're probably looking for a couple of minutes. But listen, if you've got your story down to two or three minutes, you can answer that well and explain it in a way that people can understand. They might come back asking for more. They might ask you some questions. Tell me some more about that. If you've only got a 40-minute version, they're probably sort of dying underneath it somewhere, wishing that you'd stop and are unlikely to ask you any questions. So start by being able to tell your story quite succinctly. Just a really brief two or three minute version. Because you know what? People could always ask for more. Always ask you to elaborate. Better you keep it short and people come back with questions than you only keep it long and they're sort of running to get away. Paul found himself in a position where he had to defend his actions. He's there before the governor, before the king, before all these people, defending what he has done and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may not find yourself in exactly that position. Or maybe you will. In many countries around the world today, believers are in exactly that position. Right now in this country, generally speaking, we're free to tell our story. Yeah, I know there are some work situations where it's not necessarily appropriate. You need to be wise and careful what you say. I get that. But generally speaking, we're free to tell our story. So I want to encourage us. Whilst we do have that freedom, whilst we do have that opportunity, let's look for opportunities to partner with the Holy Spirit, to see what he is doing, to share our story, and to expect God to be at work. Amen? Why don't we stand, and I'm going to pray as we close together. to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.